Today on the Candidly Speaking Podcast, we are going to speak with Alex Morello, licensed clinical professional counselor working in Eldersburg and Columbia, Maryland. Alex graduated with a bachelor's degree in human relations from High Point University. She went on to receive her master's degree in community community mental health counseling from McDaniel College. Today we're going to be talking about the effects of the pandemic on your mental health. I thought this was an important conversation because you hear a lot of people talk about everyone being tired of being at home, being in a house and stressing out and cabin fever, but you don't hear anybody talk more about what's really going on deep down inside. So with that being said today, uh, we're going to bring on Alex. Uh, Alex, thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am good. So thank you again for coming on the show. So I'll just let people know I met you a few years ago. We actually you helped me out on a film festival. We have a mutual friend in your Yeah. And you yeah. helped me out with the film festival. And we were up until like one o'clock that morning. So I, I wanna say if I didn't say it back then, I wanna say I appreciate that again too, because I know oh, yeah. we were all just kinda, you know, doing some something fun and, you know, a little different, I guess. Um, it was a really cool experience. It so. was fun. So, OK, so yeah. I appreciate that. And so today, like, as I said mm-hmm. in my intro, we're going to dive into um, some some mental health um, topics, something that I don't believe is talked about enough during yeah. this pandemic. So I'm just going to hop right into it. Um, you know, you you practice in Eldersburg, Maryland, <laughs> I do. Um, so I, I have two different offices. I work in Eldersburg as well as Columbia, Maryland. Um, I work for a, a group private practice and, um, you know, I predominantly see more of the well population, but um, it's been a really cool journey transitioning from, you know, uh, community-based mental health to more of the private practice sector. But um, mental health is one of my favorite topics, of course. And so I'm grateful to be here to talk more about this. Well, thank you so much. So one of the one of the biggest, if not the biggest things affecting people's lives right now um, is the virus, the coronavirus that we were introduced to basically in December. But what we're hearing more and more of are people are saying that they've had family members or close relatives who became really, really sick around this time, but nobody really had Mm. a name for it. So with that being said, what are the type of things that you're hearing at your practice or the practice Mm -hmm that people are are really going through and I'm asking that question because I want to set the stage so that if someone hears some of these examples maybe they can gather something from that oh yeah absolutely um you know there's there's a lot of conversations going on um but definitely at the root of most of my sessions is uh is the coronavirus of course because Mm. it's affecting all of us so deeply in many different ways and so I mean, just to like list out a few things, I think predominantly a lot of people are experiencing a lot of stress, definitely grief and loss. It's probably the main factor. Um, Anxiety, depression. Um, Oddly enough, a lot of people have been having a lot of somatic issues. Um, So a lot of stomach, digestive issues, sleep challenges, headaches, um, a lot of weight changes, things like that. Those seem to be a lot of the, at the, at the kind of base of what I'm talking about with clients and spending time really just processing with them. So um, it's a whole <laughs> whole spectrum of things going on. Yeah, I think I've, I've heard the sleep one uh, quite often. I just can't tell if my sleep is due to just regular stuff or because we got a newborn in the house (laughs) you know so uh but i I have i have heard a lot of people um talk about the 
anxiety and the, you know, just, just a general stress of, of dealing with that. So, um, one of the, one of the other things that this pandemic has brought on is people are, families are, are, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but they're kind of forced to be among each other. So (laughs) busyness in America, you know, it's like a status symbol, right? So families have prided themselves over the years on, I'm busy. I have this, I have that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, this mom has to take this kid here and that kid there. And we, we say we don't want to be that busy, but it makes us feel good about ourselves um, to, to feel busy. So now with the pandemic, it kind of almost forced people to not be busy. Can you um, talk a little bit about um, that difference, you know, from a family going from extreme busyness, not always being around each other, not always seeing each other to now we're in the house together. <laughs> now we oh, have yeah. to really live together. Can you talk a little bit about the the mental effect that that psycho- psych- psychological effect that it has on people to actually be forced from busy, 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 busy? to hey we got to hunker down in here and it's been what eight or nine months now yeah sure and it's been i think it's so it's so it's really ebbed and flowed right throughout the months um when we first found out about the pandemic of course i mean we were really you know kind of um extremely fearful and there was just so much information coming at us and so people really did hunker down right and then it kind of eased up over the the summer and obviously now it's kind of back and in, in heating back up in a second wave so um it's been gosh an emo- emotional journey in that sense but um yeah the psychological effects i mean when you're go 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 all the time um whether it's you're a family and you have children you're a single person and you have roommates you it doesn't really matter your dynamics if you're going from a pretty busy schedule to like such a stark contrast of, you know, really having so much more free time, it can be really jarring. Like it can be really almost anxiety provoking for a lot of people because they're not sure what to do with their time, right? They filled it so much with things on their schedule and okay, I got to run so-and-so here. I got to run and do this and do these errands. And, you know, that's great. Um, but that's almost just as taxing on our mental health as having free time and being unsure what to do with it can be. Um, so I would say absolutely. I mean, certainly this pandemic has created a whole new world of relationships um, and how those are, you know, working out in the day to day because you're with people way more often than you ever would be. Mm-hmm. Couples are working from home together and trying to navigate that. I mean, there's just so many different dynamics that everyone's going through in their own way. So of course it's going to take some kind of toll on your mental health or just change your living experience, your life experience. And that will always change how you mentally kind of process and go through life. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say there's no doubt that this has changed a lot of things psychologically for people. Um, and so it's causing us to lose a lot of social interaction in some ways, but also gain a lot more with our families. So um, there's a lot of pros and cons to it. Um, I think this has been one of the most challenging experiences for people, especially if you're a busy, busy person, but also it is teaching people how to just be and how to be mindful and how to just be present in the moment Mm. and enjoy reading a book or, um, you know, or just actually feeling all of those overwhelming feelings that we go through due to this pandemic. Um, So there are some positives that could come from this. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because my next question around that was going to be what can families do? I know 
my family, you know, my son plays basketball. So when he's at bas- when he's doing basketball, that's pretty much all we're doing. I mean, that's going to mm-hmm. change, of course, now that we have the baby. But that's pretty much all that we're, we're doing. And um, so when 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 this change happened, we kind of had to, you know, pivot to say, OK, like last night we watched a movie you know so mm-hmm. or we you know play monopoly or yeah or whatever so i was going to ask if what are what are some other things that families can do and i'll give you one another quick extreme example you know i've heard this more than i thought i, I really would um you know you got two parents work from home they have the fifth grader over there doing mm-hmm. online and then they have the kindergartners in online and even one of my son's old teachers i mentioned this on a previous podcast one of my son's old teachers has a kindergartner and they have a newborn so i'm like how in the world can you really deal with this so it's taking a a mental toll on people so what are some i mean any generic ideas what are some ideas that people can do you mentioned reading a book and stuff like that what kind of things can people do to kind of help them alleviate some of the stress well, first and foremost, my thoughts go out to your friend. Um, that's a hard <laughs> life, uh, but a hard situation. But um, but yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I would absolutely empower any any client that I would sit with or anybody that's talking about this. I would empower them to know that you are not here to be right. You are here to just get it right and try to just do the best you can and have lots of self-compassion because this is a weird time. You have never, ever been through this, right? And so um, here you are experiencing all these emotions, all these changes in your life that you have never had to go through. You're not going to be perfect at it. And so absolutely practicing some of that, like, hey, we are doing the best we can with what we've got. Um, So that would be my first and foremost thing to care for your emotional aspect. But as far as tools go and different things you can do, there are so many things. If you have young kids, absolutely get them out moving, be active. That is so vital to your mental health as well as your physical health. Um, just to feel like, oh, that sense of freedom, like you're out of the house at least. Mm. Um, so go for a walk on a, on a like, you know, kind of secluded path or something that's not going to be around a lot of people. Um, I would definitely say getting into reading together or like you said, playing Monopoly or doing board games, um, even getting into what are your kids' hobbies, right? And starting to play them or do those things with them listen to the music that they like right get involved in their lives and spend that time what a beautiful way to bond with your children mm-hmm. while also you know feeling like you're kind of checking out a little bit and doing something that's not just watching the news and you know <laughs> yeah. staying in that in that covid place you know wow so, yeah no, that's yeah. that's that's really good um because i'll say one of the things that my son picked up he's always been a pretty decent artist but mm-hmm. i bought him this thing years ago to, so he can electronically draw his stuff and you know the Wacom yeah. tablet or whatever and lately um he's just really been into it um we have to find the pin to the thing but he's been really wanting to do it and he's been doing all the drawing more and so I agree with that I, I really like that advice but one thing you said I really like also is the um you know the self uh the the self uh compassion mm-hmm. um having compassion for yourself forgiveness I don't think people understand to be able to how to do these things um, oh, yeah. because it's not something that we're taught when we're kids, you know, you hit someone and they say, Oh, tell them you're sorry. But if you make a mistake, nobody ever teaches you. Or if you're, you're dealing with something completely new, like you said, we're do- dealing with right now. Nobody's ever really taught us to say, Hey, you know what? It's okay where you are, you know, cause we live in a world mm-hmm. where we're competing against the, the Joneses 
on, oh, yes. on a regular basis. So nobody has ever really said, hey, it's OK to be where you are. You know, you're constantly yeah. going. Just keep moving. Just don't stop. You know, so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, and with and with all of that, you know, in addition to that, you know, people are demoralized. And you mentioned mm-hmm. the, 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 the loss and the grief that people are dealing with. So um, I have a cousin who uh, has an uncle who passed away from the virus. And mm, I'm sorry you know, for your loss. Thank you. Uh, so a lot of people are, are really dealing with that. And it and it I'm not going to go off into this, but it really hurts sometimes to hear people say this is not real or mm. even if you don't think it's not real or whatever, you know, think about what these other people are dealing with, no matter if they pass from the virus or not. Technically, it uh, doesn't matter. The fact that the matter is they're losing people and this is why they're being told they're losing their people. Um, so therefore, you know, people should have some compassion. So can you can you talk about that, that whole demoralization and the whole mm. grief? Because this is something that's just kind of like just kind of swoop through the nation like overnight almost. So yeah. how, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, yeah, demoralization is probably is such a ugh, it's just a, such a deep rooted part of the conversations that I'm having right now, where it's just like demoralization. Just to kind of give you a little bit of a reference around that is really just this concept of in, in its most simplest terms is like okay, you expected it things to be this way, mm-hmm. they are now not panning out to be that way, right? And so the it's the grief or the the feeling of of serious loss due to okay, here's how I envisioned this. This is not how this is going, and that feels really terrible. And so we all are kind of going through that because I'm pretty sure when we had New Year's at 2020, you know, we were thinking it's going to be a great year, 2019. See you later. We hated that year, uh, and so now for it to have panned out and to look like this where we're at now in November, my goodness, no one could have ever saw that coming. And so um, demoralization absolutely is at the root of a lot of this. But I also want to acknowledge that grief doesn't just look like, oh, I've lost somebody or, um, you know, I I know somebody that has been infected and and they're no no longer the same, right? Mm. Um, Grief is also really rooted in uh, so many areas of our life, you know, grief and losing your social life, grief and losing um, your work life, right? I mean, most of us are working from home. We're not getting the same interactions that we did. You know, we're not having those water cooler conversations anymore. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, going to the jog park with your, you know, and seeing all the people there, or, I mean, there's so many things that we did at some, you know, in our lives and we no longer have that. And so that absolutely is categorized as grief too. And so Mm. I want to acknowledge that it's not just losing someone or the death of somebody, right? Grief is such a spectrum in itself. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is for someone who has lost someone and lost a loved one or even known somebody that they you know was acquaintance that they knew that had has passed from this and then for someone to swoop in and kind of say hey i don't really think this is real it's just a joke no big deal it's just a hoax i mean that has to be such a pain to the heart and so um yeah i mean i i think at the end of the day it's really about how you internally are are managing that grief and acknowledging that maybe someone else may not believe in it and that's okay that's on them but it doesn't take away from the fact that you are grieving in whatever way due to whatever you have lost right um and that is okay to grieve that grief is like an it's like the ocean right it comes over us in these huge waves at times and and then they're kind of subtle the tide goes in 
But either way, we're still experiencing these waves and they, they come on and, and they feel insurmountable. And it's so sad and it's so deep and it's so emotional. And then what's beautiful is as time goes on, we learn to swim. You know, mm -hmm. we learn to navigate these waves and be able to actually survive and thrive in the ocean. And so, um, you know, right now, I think all of us are experiencing our own waves and they're all different sizes. Um, so either way, though, we're all in internally working on learning how to swim. Yeah. And I really I really am glad that you clarified the grief. So would so it, it opens up some things in my mind now, because now I'm thinking about that person who may be experiencing that grief from not being able to go into the office or something like mm -hmm. that. But in their minds, they aren't able to connect that with grief. Therefore they aren't able to process it as grief and yep. they're not able to unlock that like you would with grief. So would you say that that may be some, some part of some people's issue is that they, they don't really connect, you know, whatever it is that they lost, they don't connect it with grief. They just connect it with, Okay, whatever. I I don't know what to do about that. Would you would you say there's some kind of correlation correlation? One hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, and thank you for bringing that up. You're right. Like, there's um, it seems to be almost like this light bulb sometimes when I'm expressing, you know, in certain sessions or you just just even in general talking to people about like, oh yeah, well you must be grieving that. Like that must be such a loss for you. Right. And um, and then the kind of the light bulb goes on like, yeah, you're right. Uh, and so, you know, and that's okay. And so a lot of people, I think right now we're, we're pulling a lot of that, pull yourself up, you know, you've got this, keep going, um, you know, oh, it, it'll be, it'll pass. I, I, this isn't real. I don't, I don't really need to feel all of this. Like, right. let me just get over it and move on. And really what we need to do, I mean, what really is so beneficial for your mental health is actually spending time with those feelings, mm. you know, and really acknowledging, like, I really miss my coworkers. That yeah. really sucks right now. I really miss seeing my family and being able to hug them. I miss touch, right? I mean, those things are, we're humans. That's what we're designed to do is to communicate with each other and interact and live our lives together as a community. And we're not having that right now. So absolutely, that's a collective universal grief, uh, grieving process for all of us. And we all just may not know it yet. So yeah, no, and, and that's okay, because a few years ago, I kind of, well, maybe about two years ago, I was kind of going through something, it was like a transition in my life. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to process it. You know, mm -hmm. so when I sat down with like the pastor and you know, and had counseling about it and talked to him about it is, you know, I kind of realized that, hey, you're actually grieving a loss because, as you said earlier, things are not the way you were thinking they should be or would be. Mm -hmm. Therefore, now you're experiencing this this grief and this loss. But, you know, to me, just identifying that. So I hope that people can really understand that from from your explanation that, you know, you know, live with those emotions accept them as they are and 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 embrace them you know it's okay mm. hey you know I miss my coworkers. okay you know that's fine I miss being able to go to the gym whatever you yeah. know so so I, I appreciate that so how long how what are the lasting impacts of this pandemic on the mental health of people mm. will it be will it be long lasting in a good way or will it be long lasting in a bad way or does it just kind of depends on depend on the person's experience 
Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends. I mean, again, I, I continue to use the, the idea of the spectrum, but, you know, somebody who has lost a loved one, right, that absolutely will long-term affect them forever. Um, you know, they will always think back and grieve in, in some kind of, kind of capacity the loss of their loved one due to this pandemic. Mm. Um, whereas someone who, um, you know, I mean, gosh, there's so many different experiences that everyone's going through. I mean, like I'll speak for myself, right? I'm very, very lucky in the sense that um, I can still work through this pandemic. Yeah. I can I can still reach out and support people. I can, um, I can still communicate in some capacity with my friends friends due to technology like there are a lot of things that I have privilege to um, that a lot of people don't have privilege to and so yeah. my experience and my grief may look very different from someone who has lost their job and lost their housing and lost so many things due to this and so I think long term absolutely I mean this pandemic I, I equate this almost to the universal like the national experience of 9-11 right when 9-11 mm. happened I can only really speak about like the mental health field, but yeah. the mental health field really went through a huge transition and, and almost like a crisis because of it, because everyone was grieving something from that. Mm. And this is almost the exact same way. And so it is such a huge collective national experience that we all have, but then it's also such an individual experience as well. So I can't really say it's like specifically how long this will have an impact, but I think it's absolutely changed our nation forever. Um, if you want my honest opinion, yeah. um, just due to how we will navigate our lives, um, how we socialize and value our social lives, um, you know, how we work, all of that stuff will be changed from this, in my opinion. So, um, but I don't think it's necessarily good or bad. I think it's neutral at this point. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I guess I can just see, I can see how it could have a good impact and a bad impact. Like the good thing we talked about earlier, you're in the mm -hmm. house now, you're spending more time with your kids, um, yep. you know, and, you know, long term, that may be the factor changing your relationship. Uh, you know, a lot of people, um, not to get too far off here, but a lot of people, yep. you know, early in the pandemic, a lot of people were kind of making, you'll see these posts and they're like, oh, well, some of you people, you know, before the pandemic, you were hating each other. Now you act like you're all lovey-dovey. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Maybe that pan the pandemic gave them an opportunity to see other things. Yeah. You know, maybe the pandemic gave them opportunity to say, hey, you know what? My wife or my husband is not that bad. I've just been right. focused on other things and I haven't been spending time with them, you know? Yes, um, absolutely. So I think stuff like that is good. But early in the pandemic, you know, people made a joke about it because they thought this thing was going to just be temporary. They thought it was like everything else. It'll come and it'll go. Mm -hmm. You know, and it and it and it didn't. And it and it really helped some people, honestly. Um, yeah. But then, like you said earlier, you know, some people are going to be forever hurt by it. Some people are going to forever look back on 2020 and say, that's the year when I lost such and such. You know, yeah. so I, I, I agree it is neutral right now, but I think I can see where those good and bad things come from. And now to kind of pivot a little bit, um, one of the things uh, this is a little off but one off the off the normal conversation we've been having but one of the things that kind of irritates people especially who have lost loved ones are people who are so steadfast like so strongly against actually wearing a mask mm -hmm. um yeah there are people that will just flat out refuse wearing a mask and one of the things i wanted to ask you if there is anything is there some type of psychology to people who 
just refuse to wear a mask? Is there something that is there a trait that is common in people who refuse to just absolutely other than the fact that they just believe it's all a hoax? Um, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, is there are, are there anything psychology psychologically that that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I'm curious about that question. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And it, it's kind of complex in a way because there could be many it's kind of multifaceted right. uh, as far as what could be happening, depending upon the person. But, you know, typically if you are if you're a person who really, truly, uh, you know, is against wearing a mask or really, you know, kind of wants to you know, really is, is very rooted in your, in their own experience. Well, I can't imagine having that type of privilege. I mean, I can do my own degree, but you must really have a lot of privilege to really think that your life is more important and your, your comfort is more important than someone else's. Mm. Um, but I mean, not to bag talk anybody that does that, but absolutely. I mean, there's certainly an ego role that plays, you know, a, a fact in that, um, you know, somebody just really, truly, kind of is like, um, no one's going to tell me how to live my life. And, you know, that's someone's ego talking. Absolutely. Mm. Um, whereas also, you know, some challenges as far as, um, you know, feeling like, okay, I don't really respect my government or I don't respect science, right. I don't respect the people that are, you know, kind of coming up with this quote unquote. And, um, so therefore why am I going to change my life to make sure someone else is, you know, like to, to follow this, what they're saying is true. Right. So it's a lot of that skepticism that could come in. Um, but I do think actually the one piece that a lot of people are missing is a lot of people have shame about wearing a mask. Like there, there's almost this like level of embarrassment, right? Like I'll give you an example. There's, hmm. um, there's a dynamic where I go to um, my local dog park, right? And outside, outside it does say like wear a mask, this and that. So, and, but it is outdoors and we do kind of stand distanced from each other. But still, I mean, I can tell there is a little bit of that stigma for those that do wear masks versus those that don't. Mm. And it's like this unspoken kind of experience. And so I've been kind of, you know, taking um, inventory of what's been going on and just playing out the dynamics. And I'm like, wow, interesting. There are some people who really truly are almost like embarrassed to wear it because they don't want to be the uncool kid, but they also <laughs> want to be safe. And so it's right. this really <laughs> odd dynamic, especially because we're all adults. It cracks me up. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's also that little level of like, I'm embarrassed because I feel like I look stupid in a mask or mm. I look, you know, um, I risk looking dumb or being criticized or being judged. And so that absolutely is another tool I think that could be playing a role in that but yeah if you're a person that doesn't really necessarily have empathy for other people who might be immunocompromised or concerned about the virus and you do not wear a mask in public that says a lot about your privilege in life um hmm. so yeah that's that's an interesting a great question though and and I don't know if there's anything psychological as far as diagnoses go right. but uh you know it just really could just be a societal kind of construct issue no, that's very interesting um, about the embarrassment part. Yeah, um, that's very interesting because this, you know, this is just my own personal example. Um, some days, like when I go outside, if I'm walking, you know, I know some people are out there with no mask on, but I'll wear a mask and mm -hmm. I do get that look, <laughs> you know, I do get that look like we're outside. Why do you need a mask? Right. You know, it's like, well, I don't know. Nobody really knows. So I can I'm, I can do what I can do to try and wear a mask yeah. but the other dynamic for me um and i won't take straight a conversation too far into this but you know another dynamic for me is some sometimes my workout clothes 
are all black and my hat Mm. is all black. So when I put on an all black mask, I feel like I am someone feels threatened by that. Mm, Um, So I don't I I I mean, I do it because I wear a mask, but it's always a conscious thing. And until you said that, I didn't really didn't really connect that until you really until you really said that, because I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I, I kind of do that myself when I'm wearing a mask because I'm like, how is this person looking at me? Do they think I'm, you know, crazy or dumb or, you know, right. so anyway, I, I think that was um, I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, so as. As we talk about this whole mental health thing, so now I want to kind of transition into um, a couple other things. And mm-hmm. um, the one thing I, I'll get to, I'll I'm going to go. um skip ahead real quick and then I'll come back. So one thing that I've seen a lot that people have gotten more into is pets. And the way I learned that is because I, you know, I watch TV sometimes and I listen to what they're talking about with the stock market and stuff. And then one of the stocks came up, I think it's called Chewy. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) And they're talking about how much people are buying pet food and their their yeah. their thing was they said well people are buying pet food because people are owning pets because of the pandemic and um I just I just thought that was interesting so I guess I wanted to get your perspective is this more out of boredom or is this going back to that grief thing is this something that people are feeling like this is maybe helping them heal or just deal with with the process that they're going through Yeah, I I think absolutely it's both. Um, Mm. You know, I think there are some families, um, well, just to speak, I'll share with you about my perspective. I actually, during the pandemic, have adopted a dog. Oh, wow. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Oh, I don't know. Uh, It keeps (laughs) my hands full. Okay. Uh, But. I have learned a lot about dog psychology, which has been really interesting. But anyways, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear been... about it one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I mean, I think when I was actually looking for a dog, I was looking back in May. It took me, and I was actively looking. It took me uh, till the end of July to even get a rescue to approve me to even go check out a dog. So, I mean, because every time I would find a dog that I was interested in, it was gone. I mean, everybody was adopting dogs and still are, they still are. Um, So yeah, that's absolutely been um, a predominant theme for people's lives right now. Um, I think some people, yeah, some families are kind of like, oh, it'd be so fun to have a puppy and you know, it'd be, it'd be good for us to keep our hands full in that way. And then they learn, oh yeah, my hands are definitely full. (laughs) But um, I do think absolutely animals are the most healing thing ever. I mean, they, Mm. they are the definition of unconditional love and comfort. And, you know, I think that there's such beauty in being able to nurture things right now, whether it be plants, Mm animals uh you know humans of course if we can but you know a lot of people like people who are single like me right i mean i live with a roommate but at the end of the day i mean i was missing caring for my people and i was missing hugs and and touch and i was like what a great time for me to have this open space and to be working from home to really start training a dog and to get that unconditional love and so i think a lot of people absolutely are experiencing serious healing from the the experience of owning an animal and caring for something else other than themselves. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And, you know, I will say also <laughs> this. I hope no one takes this the wrong way, but 
I, you know, some days I'll be sitting in and I'll be looking at the, um, is it the SPCA? They'll have those mm-hmm. commercials. ASPCA. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how do you make a dog look so sad? <laughs> oh, I know. They're so good at it. <laughs> I'm like, how do you make these dogs look so sad? I'm like, man, somebody please go rescue these dogs. Talk about psychological marketing. Right exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, how do you make these dogs look so sad? <laughs> Oh yeah, they're, and we're looking at it, and it's like some of these dogs look like they're literally about to cry. I'm like, what are they doing to these dogs? That's so why they need you to adopt them. Exactly, I know, I know, and I'm like, you know, people are probably sitting around looking at these commercials in tears, trying to figure <laughs> out how they can go and a- adopt a pet, man. And you yep. know, whoever whoever's running those commercials are a genius because, oh well, yes, those dogs look so sad. They must get them when they like wake up or when they're like extremely hungry or I, I don't know. Oh, I, are I don't, they, yeah, they're. Just freshly new to the, right. the shelter. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so, you know, to kind of close this conversation out a little bit, um, I think yeah. it's clear that we all could use some help in our lives um, at any given point. Yeah. It doesn't have to be because of um, the pandemic. And, um, you know, personally, my my experience in that has been and I think a lot of people um, from some 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 uh, church backgrounds who mm. used to believe that you know hey you can't get any kind of psychological help because you know that's not how God you know makes it out to be and I don't I don't really know I don't really think that's that's true I think that you know we should use the resources that we have um, and I'm not going to ask you to speak just to those people I'm just asking you to speak to the idea that you know, I don't need any help. I don't I don't really want to get mm-hmm. any help, you know, because, again, going back to it, telling someone you get help is embarrassing when, quite frankly, it's one of those topics that I think that we should talk about to each other more and not look at each other sideways because of it. Um, mm-hmm. Because at, at every stage in our lives, you, you mentioned it earlier, at every stage of our lives, there's something new right now. The pandemic is new for everybody. But for yeah. some people like marriage divorces or any other thing that you go through in your life there's a new phase in your life you get older you know your your bones are not healing as fast you know those types of things there's a lot of stuff that we deal with in our you know in our lives and um so yeah I guess how can how can um why first of all why do people really avoid the help and you know getting help and how would you encourage someone to seek help yeah. Um, just as a side note, I I pretty much have always said if I will never marry somebody unless they actually have been to therapy at least once in their life, mm. uh, because I can't I think that absolutely there's so much needed and we always every human on Earth benefits from going to therapy. And so, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of stigma around that, whether it be a cultural stigma or religious stigma, there are so many things um, because we are a, we are a culture that is very rooted in self-sufficiency. Mm. You know, we want to be able to do it all ourselves. We've got this, you know, I don't need help. And that is such a tragic existence because that's what humans are designed for like i said community helping each other being there for each other and and when we are down we utilize that community and so um for some people that does look like a church-based you know like a faith-based community and that's wonderful um but some people you know it's not it's something that you need a little bit more one-on-one a little bit more personalized and so you know i think um a lot of people are concerned about whether some other people will be judgmental of that. Again, that shame-based kind of behavior where, oh, if, you know, Joe from 
from work finds out I'm in therapy, he might think I'm a loser or that I might be crazy, right? And so um, I just want to empower people. Like that's probably one of my biggest things that I advocate for is just allowing space to break down that stigma of it is okay and always okay to seek support and have an unbiased person listen to your stuff right that's all it really is i mean there's no like oh there's something wrong with you you're broken it's just like hey I have normal life people stress, right? I have normal life stressors and I, stressors and I just want a safe space to be able to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and, and to be able to put that somewhere. So I'm not carrying it with me all the time. That's beautiful. And such a, such a, um, an empowering experience to have someone that does not know you hold space for you. Yeah. Like what a gift. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people have that stigma around it, but um, more and more, I got to say with the younger generations, they are really doing great work with going to therapy. Yeah. I don't like, I'll share with you. I, most of my friends are in therapy. Most of the people that I, um, you know, encounter have done some therapy at some point in their life and they're all people 30 and, you know, 35 and under. But um, so as the younger generations coming up, people are noticing like this stuff is really helpful and very important to have at some points in your life so um yeah i think there if someone just answer the second part of your question if you are looking to do therapy um or even just considering it you know go based on what you feel comfortable with uh actually on my instagram i've been doing uh, weekly therapy tuesday videos just to update people yeah just doing like you know mental health talks and um i've been talking about the lifespan or like the timeline of therapy right what does it look like when you're like just starting out and thinking okay i'm really anxious a lot like i really don't feel good something's going on what do what does it take for me to go see a therapist, right? Mm. What does that process look like? And so I kind of review all of that, but it's been a really cool experience going through each stage of that. And, you know, if you're a person looking to do therapy, I say the first place you can go is psychologytoday.com. That's a great resource. It's basically like Facebook for therapists, right? Where you just go on, you check them out and you can see a little picture of each therapist in your area, what insurance they take, all of that. And it's a great way to just kind of dip your toe in, see if you see anybody that piques your interest. And, and then if you want to contact them and reach out, then you do so. If you don't, then you just keep looking um, and, and keep, you know, kind of working through the idea. So that would be my suggestion if you are a person kind of in that in-between phase or the, the um, you know, kind of first stage of change. So. Right. And I think, I think one of the, the misconceptions about going to therapy, well, two, two that I know of for sure. One is that just because you're going to go mm-hmm. see therapy doesn't mean that you just have some overwhelming problem, yeah. um, you know, and, and <laughs> I, I think that a, another misconception is that if you, if you're going to therapy, maybe to grieve a loss or of any sort, um, a lot of people feel like, well, I don't want this person telling me how I should be feeling. And mm. it's not always, it's, it's not that it really isn't. Absolutely it not. Really isn't that. Yeah. And to your point about the psychology today, I think that was a site. So um, like when we were doing like marriage counseling, mm-hmm. um, our premarital counseling was through our church. But like when we later on, when we really started looking into like real like marriage counseling, it didn't mean that things were way off it's like hey we need to recalibrate and kind of you know get ourselves um back online when you go on psychology today i think it was um i think don't they list like all the different types of 
uh, oh, certifications yeah. that. The, yeah. So yep. that's another thing I would say to people is like, you know, you can really narrow down specifically what it is mm-hmm. that you want to the point to where I saw one person had like some type of, you know, mental fitness, something, mm-hmm. some, some, something really detailed. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. So when you look on a place like psychology today, you can you can really narrow down. Um, the people that you want, but I will caveat that that doesn't mean just because they have what you have, that they're going to be a good match and that they're going to oh, be yes. a good fit. Um, That's my yeah. first, just a little tiny tangent and then we'll probably wrap up, <laughs> I guess. But That's okay. um, just to reiterate to people who are looking to go to therapy, especially during a time like this, like, yes, it's going to be very hard to find a therapist right now because everyone is seeking therapy. Um, so a lot, like I have a full caseload right now. I know a lot of my like clinician friends do. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should be discouraged from going and trying out therapy. But please know, finding a good therapist is like dating. You sometimes hit it out of the park the first go around. <laughs> sometimes you don't. And that right. is okay. It is your treatment and you are allowed to continue searching. You can meet with a therapist you know, three times and then kind of say, uh, I'm not getting the right vibes from this. I'm not yeah. feeling like I can really open up to them. Those are red flags, just like in you, what you would have in dating. Right. And so if that's how you're feeling, you have every right to say, Hey, I appreciate you, you know, holding space for me and being here for me, but I think I'm going to move on and see somebody else. Yeah. So please treat it as if it's the same thing as dating. You absolutely, sometimes, like I said, hit it out of the park the first go around. Sometimes you don't. And that is okay because you deserve to find the right fit for you. That is really good advice. And, you know, another, another point um, that I think uh, people should recognize with, with therapy. I don't know how wide well known this is, but, a lot of people think, well, hey, you know, that's super expensive. I can't do that. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I thought I, I think I read somewhere where they do have some programs in Maryland. Um, but the other thing I want to kind of highlight that I do know is that uh, there are some therapists who do not accept ex- insurance. But there mm-hmm. are some therapists who actually do accept um, your insurance. And um, so that's another thing for people to realize that if you're out there and you have some insurance, some, you know, employer insurance, there are some therapists out there that do accept insurance. um, And, you know, that's just another thing that you can keep in mind that, hey, maybe you don't want to go and pay one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. But your insurance, if they're if they have that in their coverage, so check out your insurance and check out their coverage to see if that's something that they cover. Definitely. Okay. Also check out your employment plans. They sometimes they have like those EAPs or I forget what they're called, but they can set you up with like six free sessions. A lot of times those therapists, when you meet with them, they'll continue services with you and and do things based on a sliding scale. So they can give you sessions based on, you know, if if it's not covered in your insurance, then they can give you a sliding scale and and give you an appropriate, you know, um, fee that will fit your budget. So that's also helpful. Wow, that's that is that is very helpful. So I appreciate your time, Alex. I yeah. really I really enjoyed listening to this conversation. I think um I think after the pandemic, I think it'll be worth another conversation because I think we're gonna be so I think people are gonna be so shocked when we're finally able to go back out. I, I liken it to like one of these movies like I am legend like you finally get to this the the wall where you're looking at where everybody's clean and everybody's clear and it's gonna be such a shock. You know, yep. um, it's, it's almost going to be a culture shock because we've literally gone an entire year where it was commonplace to wear a mask or, 
you know, these type of things. So when people aren't wearing masks anymore, it's going to be like, wait a minute, why does person doesn't have on a mask and you're gonna be like oh wait no we're, we're good now we're good now yeah you know so it's literally like a, a nightmare <laughs> so um so maybe we can talk about that the next time so again Definitely. alex thank you very much and uh if you want to hold the line you can hold the line for a few minutes and i'll just close out the show okay sounds good thank All you right. so much thank you <laughs> all right that was alex um it was a great conversation about mental health. So I want you guys to really take in that conversation that we just had and really take the opportunity to, to learn about your mental health. There's a lot of stigmas. There's a lot of things that are just flat out not true about taking care of your mental health. And I think we all need to realize that. We all need to support each other. We all need to be there for each other. So go take care of your mental health. Thank you for listening to the Candidly Speaking Podcast. This is Luke Burke. I'm out.